0: All right. Thanks. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Uh, I have Jeannie back on, and we recorded an earlier episode. You'll have to listen to that one. Uh, she's here to talk to us some more. I do have Jonah in the background. You may hear his laugh or voice from time to time, but for the most part, he's going to be listening. So, Jeannie, um, we had a really nice discussion. The first uh, we we talked for quite a while about a lot of different things um I wanted to kind of dig in on a few more specific things and and, but let you know go where you want to go but one of the things that that Jonah and I were very curious about is this you know I kind of explained to you and, and on your show I talked about sort of the the men's cycle the PMAS kind of what it's like a week after the time period between marital act to marital act and kind of how you kind of go through this high and then it goes back down and gets really uncomfortable for a while. And then you kind of reset all that. We're really, because we're too, too frightened and embarrassed to talk to our wives about that. We wanted to ask you what's it like for the, for the woman's
1: perspective. I was so fascinated by that conversation that you two had. Um, I think I did listen to you guys like twice. And then I asked my husband, I said, you know, do I get, crabby or edgy and he goes yeah he said I think you're unusual because y- you like sex and want it just as much as a man does but I think it's because I'm on hormones so I'm um <clears throat> plus' I'm, I think I'm very unusual because I'm very very sexual I I'm, I I'm gonna give you a little bit more information that you're really wanting but I I think it's important and that is women can orgasm not just by Uh, vaginal sex and the toral, you know, stimulation, that she can actually have an orgasm. There's different types. I mean, she can orgasm kissing, nipple stimulation, um, mind stimulation. And I thought that was crazy. I thought that wasn't possible. So I'll take on a challenge. And I actually, again, this is going to be a little bit more information that you want to know. And I'm going to backtrack again to your question, but I actually train myself to have a mental orgasm. So I can do that. I can, that's why I think it's really important that mindset is really important for women, because if you're not in the mood, you can get in the mood if you just mentally train your brain to go there. So going back to your original question, I don't, I think women can go years without sex and not be phased because I have a girlfriend, her husband became a paraplegic like three or four years after they got married and she didn't have sex for 10 years. Um, a, a woman that my husband dated in high school, they reconnected as friends and she was really open with them and she never, had, she got divorced and never had sex for, I think, 15 years. It wasn't phased by it. She could care less. So I, I think it's different for women. Plus, you know, we go through our cycles, you know, so before we go through menopause, you know, we, you know, we menstruate. And so, for some women they're only really turned on and sexual when they're ovulating so that could be what five days (laughs) of a month so you got to catch it right and some people don't mind having sex you know when a woman's menstruating and there's all different views on that but if some women they don't want to do that then hey and then she goes through the pms symptoms and stuff she doesn't feel good so geez, sometimes I think you're lucky to get one or two times in a month, you know, because of how she's feeling, and and that's that's too bad. It's it's I had I went through men when I was menstruating, it was horrible. I was really sick, and but my husband was really understanding. But that's why I really want to encourage women and and educate them that going through menopause doesn't have to be a horrible thing. It's because once you stop menstruating, you, obviously you can't get pregnant. So you don't have to worry about that and you don't have the ups and downs like you do in your during the month. But during those 30s, during the 30s and 40s, I think a lot of women could go without it, if, especially if they're raising a family. So I want to say, thank God. And I mean thank God for men and their sexual drive, because if it wasn't for them, there might not be any babies because we would, we could go without it a bunch of I mean, my
0: kids kids owe their existence to that.
1: <laughs> so I don't, know, I don't know if that helps but but I think that's why it's important that I speak out to women and let them know you have to take ownership of your sexuality. You got to own it and 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 push the boundaries and you know what another thing too I was thinking about this is I don't like talking about it. Because I think this is something that maybe individuals need to go to therapy about. But a lot of women have been shamed around sex, and they—that's what's going through their head. So they could have had a past, a past experience that wasn't positive. Um, also, because of the church, their their belief on masturbation, maybe a woman was caught masturbating when she was young, and she was just learning about her body and discovering it. And maybe a parent found her and shamed her for that. And so now she's very uncomfortable um, or you know, had a bad relationship or maybe have been in a relationship and the man put her down and was negative. So now she's uh, feeling really uncomfortable, maybe uncomfortable about her body. Maybe she's been criticized about her body. There's a lot of things as women we go through that can prevent us from having sex or desiring sex. But that's why I think it's so important to be connected with your husband in a really powerful way because then you're going to want to change your mindset. You're going to want to change and be with him and desire Especially as women, we don't talk about pleasure. It's almost like we don't feel like we deserve it. And that's how we think. And that's a wrong way to think, but we do think that. And we feel like we have to care for everybody. We have to take care of our children. We got to get the laundry done and we've got to get all of that stuff done first. And then we can think about ourselves. and it's always usually last. So yes, we could go without it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I suspected that,
1: but uh, I wasn't sure. So. I have so many questions um so when you
0: say that women can go for a long time is that are you assuming that women I mean is there just literally no sex drive or are they okay with having their sexual needs satisfied outside of you know
1: intimacy with their partner that's a really good question I think I've I've listened to a lot of doctors that are sex therapists and their number one complaint that they hear. And I hear this as well, that women have lost their libido, their sex drive. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more that than wanting to maybe step outside the relationship. Oh, and women do don't, don't get me wrong. Women are just as guilty and, you know, they need to take responsibility as well, but more so, I think they, as they get older, they just they lose that libido. They don't know how to find it again, you know, because of a lot of things that are going on with their body. Do you think stress? I think stress is huge. Women, women are doing so much now, and especially if you have a woman that's um, a CEO of a corporation. And I know a couple of them. And this is just a side note. but I want to share it before I forget. Um, Women that are in a marriage, a loving marriage, and she is in a a position of power. And you didn't ask this question, but I'm just going to add this as a bonus. A woman that is dominant like that, usually at home, and if men don't know this, this is a little secret for you men. If you have a dominant wife, you got to ask her this question, so don't assume it. But many times she wants to be dominated in the bedroom because she needs to be real. She doesn't want to be in charge in the bedroom because she's in charge of everything else. So that's why you see there's a lot of different types of. Oh, what do I say? I don't want to. I don't want to go there because I don't think you want to go there. But um, BDSM, and that's where there's sex and then there's, um, pain involved, you know, and that's a whole nother topic, but a lot of times women just want to be overpowered in a good way. It's consensual and it's, and it's agreed upon with both of them. So it's all good. You know, it's, it's, you know, they're not strained at all, but she wants to be overpowered and want that sexy, raw, you know, Roller up against the wall type of sex, and you know women. And I'm not agreeing with this, but because I don't do this, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to share my really my opinion on this. But a lot of women will read um, erotic material because that's what gets them turned on. And you you're seeing in this generation a lot of them turning that way. I I'd rather do the real thing. I'd rather enjoy my husband and do it, you know, together. I don't want to read about it, but that's just me. And I think. That's what women are that's why it's really important to communicate with your spouse and really find out what their fantasy is because that's what you can bring to the bedroom and make it really exciting, especially if you've been married a while. You know you got to keep it new and you got to keep it fresh. But that's one thing I've learned is that real dominant women want their husband husbands to dominate them in the bedroom.
0: Do you think that those women know that or are they, I mean, are they even aware of that? Uh, how, how does the how does the woman or the man figure that out? Uh, what kind of questions do they have to ask themselves, or do their husbands need to ask them to identify that
1: um, if that's the case for them? You are really good with your questions. Mm-hmm. Really good. I I would suggest that you ask her. So when you're alone, um, <clears throat> beforehand, ask some of the questions that you want you want to know the answer to so have her describe what her deepest fantasies are fantasies are very different than reality obviously but and sometimes people get those confused and then you know then it's a mess but you got to create those boundaries and say okay we're going to talk about fantasies it doesn't mean that we're going to do it but but tell me what you desire what what are some exciting things that you would like me to do in the bedroom that's just totally stretches our boundaries so let me give you an example um, women love to be romanced and love to be desired. Most importantly, they like to be desired. And when you've been married a long time, that kind of fades, but they still want that. They still crave that. So if a man gives her attention, she loves that. Doesn't mean she's going to engage in a relationship. And that's really important to know. Cause I see men get jealous all the time, but if, if a man acknowledges your wife, look at it as a compliment not something to be jealous of because then you know that she's a woman that people admire and are is beautiful and take it that way instead of the negative but one thing that you can do is role play and this is what a lot of my friends do this they love to role play and there's all different types of role playing but you can do what's called well, I made this name up but you can do ethical cheating and that is pretend You, I mean, you go out to dinner and I don't know if you go to bars or not, but, but like you can have sit at the bar, have your wife sit at the bar and you come in and you pretend that you are picking her up and just go through the whole thing you did when you were first dating and that anticipation and the touch. And is he going to kiss me? And when's he going to kiss me? And, you know, just act like you did when you were first dating. And those are the type of things that you can do that you can pretend but you're still, you're not doing anything wrong. You know, it's just role playing between the two of you and it's all good. And it just keeps the, the excitement and the romance and the desire going. And and plus, um, you might be surprised. Now, my girlfriend did this once and she, I, I, I share a lot of these stories about what other people do and it doesn't mean I do them. So people ask me why I don't tell more of these stories because I just assume, I don't want people to assume I do them but so this one friend of mine her husband flew in he was on a business trip and he flew in and she went to pick him up at the airport and she um she's got like five or six kids herself and she, what she <laughs> did was she got a babysitter and wrapped herself in cellophane that's it completely naked but just wrapped herself in cellophane put a black trench coat on and picked her husband at the up at the airport and we got in the car she exposed herself it was just between the two of them and so She, you know, shared that story just, and she does things like that just to keep her husband excited. Interesting. I think that's why talking about this is fun, because these are the things you can do within a, in a relationship and it's all good. You're not doing anything wrong. And let also, when my husband was in seminary at Luther Seminary in Minneapolis, St. Paul, um, we were, there was a, a professor called, um, his name was um, Walt Sundberg, Dr. Walt Sundberg. He was considered one of the most intelligent professors on campus. And we were, Kurt and I were going out for dinner. We were walking through the student union and he saw us and he stopped us and he goes, hey, you know, now, now this is, this was about uh, 30 years ago. 30, yeah, about 30 years ago. And he said, um, where are you two going? And I, we said, well, we're going on a date. And he goes, well, I can tell. He goes, I just want to tell you something. He said, "Whatever you two do, that's consensual, and is legal. Whatever you two decide in the privacy of your relationship is approved by God." Mm-hmm. And coming from a professor, that's and he's a, an apologetic, I guess. Apologetic, he's and he studies history, teaches history, um, uh, scripture history, and uh, and I've always thought about that. And so it's it gave me permission to be adventuresome. And, and I'm just going to use the word wild in the bedroom because women need to hear it's okay to be wild and exciting. And, but again, we have to work at that as women because we have so many changes going on in our body and we're stressed and all this kind of stuff. We really have to make an effort to work on this and we need to make it a priority in our relationship. And when we feel good, it will happen. It'll come and we'll And then when we you know we don't have it then you'll get like me and you'll get edgy and crabby like a guy <laughs> so um I, we it's something that as women we really do need to work at
0: yeah there's <clears throat> there's a lot there that you just said um <laughs> you know one of the reasons why sort of I really thought this was important is that and and, and I've got I got books I'm dragging around that you know that I would say are pretty pretty traditional Catholic materials. And and a lot of the stuff that you just said would would be raising alarm bells <laughs> by these folks. Mm-hmm. Um and unnecessarily, I think. I mean, I think I think we're here to really challenge some of that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I think this is such an Important discussion to have is, you know, I, I think for Catholics, I think we can really tend to be so afraid of like crossing a line mm-hmm. uh, that I think we're just hesitant to explore and kind of deviate from just a very narrow set of traditional circumstances of intimacy that, you know, and, and so I, I think there's just a hesitation to even about any of this other stuff that I think would be completely illicit completely consistent with our values but Mm -hmm. for one reason or another we just don't just don't talk about it don't don't talk about it out loud or those that do are people that are on the way out of the church it seems so do you want to make a comment I would say something yeah I would say that the the nuns that taught us um, they talked about everything we actually received great training from the nuns that taught us and they taught
1: us that pretty much anything goes except for birth control so oh, well, I like those sisters that's cool <laughs> And maybe, I, but I yeah I we, we were kind of taught that that it was okay that's really cool you know I I, I gotta take you a side note um
0: like, other I, that I'm sorry that within the regular confines of what Catholics believe as far as like oral sex and that sort of thing, I guess.
1: But I'm sorry, but as far as the role playing goes, I think that's acceptable. When I was a, when I was in junior in high school, I wanted to become a nun. Can you believe that? And my girlfriend talked me out of it. And she goes, "You can go to church, and you don't. You can get married. You don't have to be a nun." <laughs> so I'm glad I never went to the convent and became a nun. But I have to say, you know, another thing when it comes to women and enjoying sex. When you're raised in the Catholic church, and I'm just telling you from my experience, it is drilled into you not to have sex outside of marriage. It is hammered. And so much so that let's say somebody is, so you do the guilt, the guilt that you feel and you carry that with you. And, and if um, I think a lot of women have guilt for some reason or another, you know, from their past that they have to work through and shame. But I also think, and I asked women this, if you could let yourself go completely in the bedroom, how would that make you feel? And a lot of them said slutty. I would feel like I was a slut because our society is telling me that if I love myself and my body and I'm sexual, I'm a slut. And I have to say, you are not. If you are a woman listening to this, and if you are feeling sexual and you enjoy sex, You are not, you are perfectly normal. You're a human being and that's for your partner. And that your partner is going to love that. So I think as women, we need to learn to let go within those boundaries of our relationship. And when we do, we're both going to, both parties are going to be satisfied. But again, I think women have a lot of mental stuff they have to work through because all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're raised in the church, not to have sex. And then the minute you get married, okay, now you can do that. You're like, do what? What are we doing? You know, we have no clue what we're doing, and no one is actually telling us what is involved in sex. So, for example, I've been to Catholic retreats before, I'm on a couple a couple retreats, and we talk about communication, or we talk about the doctrine of the church or Catholicism, and you know, we talk about that, but we don't talk about what goes on in the bedroom. Heck? No, you know, so it's like this curtain, and if you pull that curtain away, it's like, oh, you're naughty, you're sinful. And that's not true at all. That's, that's allowed in this
0: relationship. Well, and I think, and I think I emailed you this um, beforehand, but, you know, it seems like, you know, Catholic marriage education is one, don't do anything before you get married. Here's a list of things that we don't want you to do when you're married. Mm-hmm. And three, here's how to learn how to Know when you're fertile, so you can abstain during mm-hmm. those time periods. But but nobody ever teaches you this is how and what can you do
1: mm-hmm.
0: when you're not, <laughs> when you're married and you're not trying to you know avoid pregnancies or you know you're in the infertile times or whatever. There's no there's no manual for that. We all just kind of learn it. Some of us probably figure it out. Some of us, you know, I if you don't figure it out, you could just very quickly be in a very unhappy intimate, free, you know, relationship because, you know, people just shut down and it seems so unnecessary. I think that's, I think it's um, malpractice uh, that we Catholics have been, been guilty of by sort of setting it up this way and, and not really giving people um, freedom and guidance to, to know, well, what can you do? There's still a lot of things that we can do. You can enjoy yourself. You should, you should care about your spouse enjoying themselves. You should be attentive to their needs, um, and that's one of the things that we want to do here. We want to we want to discover that and talk about it, and and find ways to help people get the the absolute
1: most out of that. No, I agree with you, one hundred percent. And i I have had other women share that with me that are from different faiths and that they haven't been taught anything. And then they're, they go into this relationship and it's, it's not, there's, you'd be very surprised. And I'm not talking about, um, Catholic marriages, but I've talked to a lot of women that are married that are in abusive relationships Mm. and they can't get out. And that's a, that's a horrible situation and if a woman is in that situation i really and if if there's a someone listening to this as well that's in that situation that doesn't know where to go they really need to reach out for help because that's not a, that's not a healthy that's not a relationship that god created is for you to be in an abusive relationship period so it's important to reach out and get help or therapy or something Oh, and it's
0: yesterday I was on Facebook and a friend posted an article and I, I might not get the details right, but it was, it was a woman who, whose marriage had failed because her husband had been cheating and, Mm -hmm. and she, you know, believing strongly in the um, sort of indissolubility of marriage did not move on. And, and the article was, sort of critical of those that were not respecting her right to sort of stay that way. Um, and I think that's fine, but I, something about it struck me wrong because like you're saying, I, I think there is a lot of pressure for people to stay in bad relationships or you know, not find ways to improve their relationships. So you're absolutely right. I mean, um, you you are not bound to be in an abusive relationship or put up with shit just because you're you know in a marriage that you believe that you you know have to stay in until you to you die or whatever so hmm.
1: from my understanding is I could be wrong so please correct me but I believe in the eyes of God the only reason the only His justification or scripturally, let me back up. Scripture basically says the only reason that you're allowed to get divorced is because of extramarital affairs or cheating. And that's permissible. But over the years, being married as long as I have, um once you work with a couple, you'd be surprised how you can actually work through that and still survive and still have a great marriage actually. And if I was younger, I would have said, oh, yeah, you know, divorces, but, you know, get out <laughs> of But no, it's not that simple. And I think sometimes, and I'm not justifying anybody that has a uh, an affair, I'm, I'm not at all. But there are times it happens. And not by mistake, it's, you know, it can be premeditated and all that, which it is, you know, because you know how to have sex. But, you know, it's just sometimes we, we're going through some tough periods in our life, And uh, Steve Harvey wrote a book and he wrote it, um, act like, act like a lady, think like a man or something like that. And he asked this question to men, if you could have an affair and you know, you'd never get caught, would you have an affair? And 99% of those men said, yes. Hmm. The more I thought about this, I've asked my husband, every man I can think of when I read that book and. I'm always asking men questions because I want to understand how men think as well. And they also they would do the same thing. And one thing that I thought was powerful is they said, it doesn't mean we don't love our wife. Mm -hmm. It's that we can experience something new and exciting. That's different than our spouse. So yes, if I didn't get caught, I would do it. And there, if there was no consequences, but of course, you know, People aren't going to want to deal with the consequences and they know that's not right and they'd hurt their spouse and all that and also another thing i've been i was reading too um, the reasons that men have a, an affair is that they want to try something new and that's why i talk about being creative and trying new things in the bedroom because um, based on what i was reading it was actually a report from <laughs> a prostitute and she kept tabs for 35 years or 40 years why these men came to her and she said there was two main things is they wanted to try something new and they want um they they wanted to again it, it's basically experience something new but they didn't want to hurt their wife so that's why they hired a prostitute so they wouldn't get in trouble and and all that instead of it's not like having a relationship with your neighbor and you're closer. No, that's not what they, they wanted to try something new. And that that's why they were doing that, especially if they were married 30, 40, 50 years, just trying something new. And I'm not justifying it at all. I'm just saying that's what this you know woman was recording. And she said, these men never wanted to hurt their spouse. And I thought that was powerful. But now why I what I can't understand is, how can a man do that? So that's a topic that I would love for men to talk about because I can't compartmentalize. Women generally can't compartmentalize because we're emotional, we're, we're feelers, a lot of us. So men, for example, can put their issues in a box and put them in the cupboard, you know, and then when they have to deal with something, they just pull that box out, deal with it, and they put it back up there. But women, heck no, our brain's like spaghetti and we're dealing with five things at the same time and we can't separate if we were to go have a relationship with someone because we would probably get emotionally attached it would be a full on affair but men what i understand do it just for something new exciting and and there's exceptions but but that's amazing how different we all are you know you th-
0: so i'm curious about that do you think that and i guess my my impression was that gen- gentlemen that have affairs or or hire the services of one of those ladies is is in a in a relationship that they're deeply unhappy with there's dysfunction they're not satisfied if i'm hearing what you're saying correct it may not necessarily be that they may be abundantly satisfied or maybe they've kind of <clears throat> tapped all the available pleasure they can get out of that relationship and they want Something more. Am I, am I am I understanding that correct, or how do you? Th-
1: yep. In fact, um, I can't remember her name. It's Priscilla, or I can't remember her name. She's got an accent. She's from Europe, I think, or something. She's really popular. Uh, if I find her, I'll give you this information. But she did a TED talk, and she's been interviewing couples, you know, her whole adult life. That's what she does, and then she speaks on relationships. And she said that um, men that she found having relationships outside their marriage are actually very happy. Hmm. So there's more men that are experiencing that, that are happy than not. And it's because they're looking for something, you know, new and exciting, but again, they love their spouse. And she was saying for her, and I, and I love this, and this is what I do. She, her husband has been married to three or four different wives and what she means is she's changed three or four times mm-hmm. and that's what I've done. So I try to reinvent myself. So my husband feels like he's married to a different woman. And I mean, I'm still the same person, but I'm trying to be more exciting. And as I age, be more exciting for him. So we're good. So he doesn't have to worry about, I don't have to worry about him looking across the street and crossing the street, you know? Interesting.
0: Um <clears throat> I did one. Uh, one thing I did when I asked you about is, so you mentioned this conversation with the seminary professor um, <clears throat> back when your husband was in the seminary, and and were you, were you were married, newly married? Where were you at at that kind of point in time in your relationship? We were
1: married, um, I believe,
0: four years. Do you have any children yet? Yeah, one. Okay, and you know i guess one of the things that i am curious about and is how much of know, how much of the life as a as a catholic married person is is how much of this is just universal for everyone and how much of this is affected by just our own unique moral values or things so what what you said i think for the most part would not probably fly past most theologians about anything you do as long as it's consensual is okay. I don't, I don't, despite what the nuns said, well, <laughs> and I, and I don't think that's what they meant. I mean, I think they, I, I, I think what Jonah meant was that they were anything you do inside the bedroom is part of the act itself, as long as it's consensual is okay. And it ends in, in ends the proper way. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's the, yep. Um, you know, and so, you know, one of the so so birth control, I think, is obviously the most obvious difference between Catholics and probably most non-Catholics. I'm not aware of any other non-Catholic um, Christians that
1: are rigid about that. Are Are you aware of any? No, but i I will say um, I will have a lot of friends that disagree with what I'm about to say, but. I really appreciate their stance on that because that's why I've never used birth control. And I think being raised Catholic, that was instilled in me and my my spirit really told me not to use birth control. And so I did use the rhythm method and I would take my temperature. And so I think it's My opinion, I think, especially if women that are doing that, you really become in tune with your body. You know when you're ovulating, you know when you're not. I think it's a good thing, and I I don't want to get political or anything, but I think it helps better understanding the issue with abortion as well, because you know, birth control. You know, people have opinions on that. Again, I don't want to go there, but. But that's been my conviction, and I feel good about it. Um, I never had to worry about the side effects of birth control because I feel my body is really important, and I, I'm careful about what I put in my mouth and how I exercise and all that. And I, I just feel it's respecting your body, and I believe your body is a temple. And even my husband had a hard time with me you know, not using birth control because, you know, again, that's the pro- he's Protestant, but I always felt good about my decision. It was my decision. I, I understood what the Catholic church, you know, the purpose of it. And I, I all, have always felt good about my decision always. And plus uh, when I had my first one, it was really easy to have my first daughter, but then I was having trouble getting pregnant the second time because we were really careful and I didn't know how to relax to have another one because I was so uptight all the time, and so what happened is I used it in reverse and I was able I was able to um, get pregnant because I could take take my temperature and knew when I was when I was fertile, so it helped both ways to get pregnant and prevent pregnancy. So I feel like as a woman too, it keeps you you're, you're in more control, you know. And I got I got a whole. I got a lot of issues around birth control and that's one of the things I had a really difficult time with regarding our mastermind when I was sharing about being honest and being real because there's a lot of women that are feminists that would rip me to shreds just have me for lunch because of my view on this especially because I talk about sex and they you know feel it's our right and we have the right to our body and we can do what we want and we can have birth control, abortions, all that stuff. I don't agree with any of that. None of that, you know. And I'm I'm not a practicing Catholic anymore. You know, I, I'm Lutheran, which our theology is very close, but I knew in my my in my spirit that I needed to do the right thing for myself because I have to do the pillow test. And that pillow test is can I lay my head down at night and know that I always did the right thing and I can fall asleep immediately. So it really didn't matter what other people thought at that time, this, I, again, I've always felt really good about that decision. And I feel women that do, I honor that. I I really honor women that, that make those decisions to, you know, not use birth control and do what's right. According to the church, I, I, I applaud them.
0: Well, and I think, I think it just has so many, amazing, I mean, I'm, I'm happy as a, as a husband to know that no, I mean, I just think I see so many positives to it. Uh, we've never used any birth control uh, outside of natural family planning, so I don't have anything to compare it to. But it is, it is amazing, and it is beautiful. And and kind of getting back to what you talked about in the in our first episode, it, I, I think I've heard a number of stories how women, as part of the charting and stuff, are are able to identify issues, hormonal issues, or whatever that maybe the average woman who's not doing that may not be aware of. I mean, there's just so many benefits to it. Being natural, being, you know, it can help you achieve pregnancy, you know, it can help you identify issues. But I got to ask you, so there's one thing that's kind of burning in my mind that I got to ask you about um, is, so how, how was it for you and maybe assuming maybe the experience is different for your husband when you were doing that are were you abstaining from all other sexual activity uh when you were trying to avoid cuz i think that's the thing that to me i think natural family planning and all that is is great it's beautiful it's it's really all the abstinence that goes with it that you there, there's nothing you can do uh, morally to, to sort of uh release any of that sexual tension in in between that makes it really damn hard which i I'm assuming is not necessarily the case for, for non-Catholics. Can you talk about that at all?
1: <laughs> sure. Um, wish my husband was on here. Cause he'd be honest with you. He'd tell you, I, I don't think it was easy for my husband. Okay. And, and well, in fact, I know was it wasn't. Cause I asked him before uh, earlier today. And you know, I said did we ever have difficult times and stuff and he said that's it's when the kids were little and you know preventing you know preventing pregnancies and stuff because especially because we were in the you know leaders in the church and you know again we weren't making tons of money so if I would have loved to have a lot of kids but you know because I come from a large family catholic family but on our income there's no way we could have afforded these kids and and it's too bad cuz I I love being part of a large family but when it came to the intimacy, yeah, it was he was harder on my husband. And I think that's why it's really important for you guys to talk about this because like I said before, we could go without it as women. <laughs> we, we really could. So especially in the childbearing day years and keeping up the home and stuff, that's a priority for us as women. So we're just hoping our husband's gonna stick through this with us. You know, um what my husband did to get through it, I'm not really sure I'm not really sure. I I, I don't know. That would be really fun to ask and have we, we want to know. All
0: right. Yeah. We, want, we, we wanna <laughs> know.
1: <laughs> and you know, funny thing is, my husband actually works from home and he's in the other room in the office. So too bad that he can't take a break because he would love to share that. So he, well you you ask
0: him and assuming you're still talking to each other afterwards, <laughs> why don't we <laughs> why
1: don't
0: we circle back another time and find out? Um I, I don't know. I just, to me, that is the, 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 pain point for this whole thing for, for, for us is unlike our wives and, you know, when you have babies and household things, you know, like you said, you can go for a long time without things don't shut off for us. I, I was, um, I, Joan and I have been struggling with analogies. And the one I was thinking about the other day, you ever go to like a, like a kid's water park and, you know, they got this fountain and there's these buckets that, that are kind of tilted and they fill up and once they get full enough, they eventually flip over dump out and then they reset and they start filling up again. That's what it feels like hormonally for guys is, is like, like it, it never stops. Like the, like the water never turns off. You, it, it dumps out from time to time. And then it just fills back up again. It doesn't matter what's going on at home. It's, it's always there. And, and the longer the, <laughs> Longer it's there, the fuller it gets, I guess, is the best way I can describe
1: it. <laughs> I shared your interview. I, I okay. mean, I told people about it, and I asked these men, do you think that that what Craig and Jonah are talking about is is legit for men? Every single one, 100 percent said yes. Everyone. That's why I think you have a message and you have a great, great platform. Because I think women need to hear this. I didn't hear this one. My, my, my husband never told me this when I was in childbearing days and stuff. And every once in a while I could see that he was in pain <laughs> he was struggling, but he just was, he just knew I was stressed out or something. So he was just, he kept his mouth shut, which I don't know what the best answer is on that because now I'm past all that and life is wonderful. So I don't know. It's a great question. I love for my husband to be on there with. An episode with you two sometime.
0: <laughs> well, there's an open invitation. Uh, I would love to talk to him. I mean, and I think if nothing else, if if it if women are aware of this, that's that's a step further than we we were before. I mean, maybe that's all that comes of this—just us understanding each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but just it just seemed like for so long, like just. I don't want to talk about it. I mean, it's embarrassing and and I don't I don't want it to come across to my spouse like <clears throat> I'm complaining and somehow this is worse than what you go through because it's not, but it is, and I don't, you know, I just I just want them to understand why we're grouchy or you know, why we just why we're persistent, even when you know it's a last thing
1: in your mind. There's there's a reason for the persistence. And I think you make a really good point. Cause that's what my husband said. He goes, we know that you're under a lot of pressure as a mom and stuff. So we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to tell them because then we sound very selfish as men. No. I'm like, yeah, you do. But that, <laughs> this is why it's really important that you guys share this because again, I heard more women talk about this because they went back to their partner and their, their husband and talked about what you guys have talked about and said, and it opened up a real great form of communication. And it did for me too. I, I still talk to my husband about your interview and then you and Jonah, because when you talk about how you feel and what do you call that the day after, what do you call it? Marital bliss or what, what do you call that?
0: Post-marital act bliss, not post-marital bliss. <laughs>
1: the post-marital act bliss, period. Post, okay. <laughs> And I asked my husband, do you have that? And he goes, yeah. And and I, I had a, I had another woman that I shared this with. I mean, I'm telling everybody. Everybody I talk to, I talk about this. And, and I ask women, and they feel the same way I do. It's like, we can go without it. But they said the same thing with their with their husband, that they notice a big difference in them in the, the couple of days afterwards. Like they got all this energy and they can conquer the world. We don't feel that way necessarily as women. I mean, we love to have an orgasm, but... We conquering the world after sex? <laughs> We're not not like you guys. We don't well,
0: feel like it. that's one of the questions we had. And you know, I think for me, I love that feeling of, of being the Superman. I mean, I I feel like I could take on the world. I feel like I'm I'm I can do anything. My wife needs better father, and then it just becomes depleted over time. And and I I just I, I I'm I'm not a hundred percent of my my potential when I'm not in that bliss period, because I'm just, it's just depleted, it depletes you. I don't know how, how else to describe it. And so I, I want to be able to give a hundred percent of myself or 110% of myself to my, to my spouse, to my family, to everything. And, and the best time to do that is in that one to three day window. It just is.
1: I wanted to do, I didn't have chance to do research on that, but I, I'm fascinated why Men feel differently than women do because I we talked about all the changes that a woman goes goes through, and I wonder if it's if it's more than that as well. I don't know, but I I need, I know that you two need to keep talking about this because you're opening the eyes for of women. But I think it's important for women to hear it from someone else other than their husband because if they're hearing it from their husband, we're like, oh my gosh, really? Mm-hmm. You don't you see? I'm exhausted, you know. But that's what these women said to hear it from a, two other men. And they're having this conversation together. It's like, oh, okay, so he just doesn't want sex all the time. It's it's right. more than that. Yep. And when you two described your relationship with your part with your with your wives, oh, it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. So that's when you asked that question about A or B, <laughs> and my husband picked B about having the million dollars versus you know <laughs> A, which is a lot of sex. I was offended because I thought, wait a minute, I thought men want a lot of sex, but my husband's at a phase in his life where he, he's just working for retirement. He wants to have money for retirement and not have to work again. So he, you know, he, he's not lacking in the sexual department.
0: I say that sounds like a credit to you that he picked, uh, that he picked B over A.
1: <laughs> well, that's what he was trying to tell me. And, and then yeah. he, great job convincing me I'm like okay I feel better now (laughs) so but I think what you guys are doing it is is needed and um but I I could see that there's going to be some challenges for those that are outside the catholic church that will have different viewpoints and so you'll be you know depending on who you interview um because I have friends in my life that are whoa they're off the charts and and this isn't even an appropriate platform even though we're talking about this to even discuss what they're doing that you know it kind of shocks me so there's a lot of stuff going on out there that kind of on the down low that people are doing that would you know would shock people Hmm. well we're we're um
0: we have sort of a, a template that we're trying to 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 work within and and provide use you know find useful information and we we're certainly not limiting the scope of our inquiry. The Catholic yeah. stuff primarily because it doesn't exist. That's why we're here because mm. you don't find you don't find this stuff in Catholic circles. So we're having to sort of invent it ourselves and and take take the insight and value wherever we can find it. That's why we're so happy to have have these kinds of discussions with you this is really valuable for us I hope it's not our last conversation um I would definitely encourage uh viewers that millions of viewers we already have to uh you know give us feedback I mean I'm sure there's got to be questions that people have for you now that they've heard these these two um two episodes uh I really want to talk to you more about all this stuff because this is so so much needed it's about two thousand years overdue um
1: but i i before i know you're gonna needing to close this up but i don't think that women really understand that men will stuff their feelings and their emotions and because they don't want to be criticized or rejected and if they were criticized before or if they've been criticized in the bedroom how they'll just continue to to shut down and withdraw and that's sometimes where women become frustrated because they can't get their husbands to open up and they don't know what happened or why and that's why I think this platform is so important because we don't we don't understand that piece and that seems to be really common with men that they will stuff their feelings and their emotions and Mm -hmm. yeah and my husband too and I think the more you guys more you can have these these conversations with men will help educate us as women. And I believe not only do we need to own our own sexuality and take, you know, and, and um, get, you know, stay healthy and, and, you know, keep getting better and taking care of ourselves, but we also need to understand more about the male side. So we will have a better understanding and be kind. I think it's really important as women, we need to be kind because we can not feel very well and lash out to our spouse and they don't know what's wrong. And so that causes them to withdraw even more. And it doesn't matter how long you've been married. It's really important that you don't ever assume that just because you're married, you you can let yourself go. No, I think the longer you're together, the more you need to be accountable. And I'm speaking to women, we need to be accountable for our actions and behaviors. And just because we're married to our husband doesn't mean they have to put up with that. And it's about being kind at all times. And I mean, I know sometimes you don't feel well, but this is your life partner. Mm-hmm. It's important that as women, we always respect our partner, always. And communicate clearly so that we can have a happy relationship. And, and not saying that you're going to have rocky times because you will. But ultimately, is really respecting one another. Very important.
0: Well, and I want to just kind of close with a theme. I mean, and Jonah, I've said this and I'll say it again. I mean, marriage is such a wonderful thing. And when it's going well is just amazing. I mean, (laughs) that's, that's what keeps us going. Right. But, but when it's not, it can be just so painful and difficult to kind of recover from sometimes that, um, it's it's a strange dynamic, but you're, you're so right there. And, uh, we really, really appreciate your, your feedback on that. Um, We we love our spouses. I think all guys, I mean, we do love our spouses. We, we're imperfect. We, um, we do love our spouses and our marriages and sometimes it just feels like we don't even know how to help. Like we just not even sure how to, how to do that. It's not that we don't want to, it's just, we're just afraid. (laughs) Afraid to be vulnerable afraid to 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 be rejected or, or whatever or just don't know how to help but hopefully our conversations can help help open those doors a little bit for people because I don't think they have to be open much I think you just just let a little light in or let a little air into the room and I think it can
1: change dramatically. I agree and you have a really great way of articulating and not blaming and I think that's where I, and especially when I was in college, I had to take two college courses that were women's studies. And the bitterness and anger with these women, I mean, so much anger. And then a friend sent me a debate between women and, and um, the feminist movement type of thing. And we're talking what, 40 years later, and there's still oh, anger. Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the most unattractive thing in a woman is the bitterness and anger. Mm-hmm. Amen.
0: Well, thank you so much, Jeannie. I know we have to wrap this up. I want to uh, give you another chance to let people know how they can get a hold of you, what kinds of things you offer for uh, people, especially women. So why don't you go
1: ahead and plug plug yourself? Well, I have a podcast, Maximum Desire, and it's on Apple Podcasts and it's on Spotify. And then um, I do one on one counseling and you can reach me you can just it's in my show notes my email address but it's genie at lifelonglove and and my husband does coaching as well and so but I hope to expand this because in a group setting like what you're doing I think we need women to be coming forward and talking about their issues so that we can help each other just like what you and Jonah are doing I think oh I'm just so excited about what you two are doing um, but I'm also working on classes so women can take them privately um, in the privacy of their own home. So if they're shy and, you know, they're more comfortable one-on-one or taking a class privately, I'm working on that as well.
0: Well, I'm very excited to see that. Uh, keep us updated. I know you and I, I'm sure, we will be in touch either way. So, um, well, thank you again so much. This was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get some questions or feedback. I'm sure we'll have questions uh, that we want to talk to you again. And so thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to the next time.
1: It was really an honor. So I was really, um, feel really privileged that I had this opportunity. And so keep doing this. I I think it's only going to, you know, just take off like wildfire. I think it's wonderful. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a great one. Thank you.